We're talking about something today that's really on my heart. Uh, I believe it's on all of our heart. And let me just say, it's real important that we go kind of toward the same direction at the same time. Uh, let me tell you, it's hard to have a household, and I've been there, done that one, where everybody gets up going in separate ways. And separate agendas and separate hearts and all that kind of stuff. So it's just real important. See, there's many things that you can handle by yourself. There's many things. Man, you can just get in your prayer closet, you can handle it. But there's, there's many things you can't handle by yourself. That you need others joining with you. Need others in agreement. That's why we hand out prayer guides. That's why we hand out devotional guides. That's why we do that. It's because they keep us all going in the same direction so that we can believe. Angel? Where'd Angel go? Oh, there you are. You look like a little kid sitting there. Man, and Renee's birthday. Where's Renee? Oh, okay, there you are. All right. Oh, okay. And it was amazing on on the dates you had this morning. That's that's I mean on the years. That is amazing. Wow, good to see you guys back too. So good. All right, let's uh but in the process of going in the direction of the Lord, that uh, a lot of people are such islands. And some people are just determined, man, I've got to just go my own way, you know. And, but you never get the benefit of what it means to be in a body like that. So where that we can go toward the direction of the Lord and God can... What the Bible says, there are things that God wants to do in our lives that happen by two or three in agreement. And when a church comes together, there's a multiplied power in that agreement. So it's just really important at times that we go in the same direction, look at the same thing. And then, so that's the way it is with this one. We're moving into a new season. And this new season, we're getting ready for a lot greater uh, volume of the Holy Spirit in our life. And because this the Holy Spirit, everything you know about God, everything that you've learned about God, everything that you experience in God, everything you feel about God, all of that comes by way of the Holy Spirit. God the Father is in heaven, on the throne. Jesus is seated at the right hand. They're there. But the Holy Spirit has been sent to us to reveal all of that to us. So it it's just makes good sense to become close friends with the Holy Spirit. And to learn about Him and know about Him. And the Bible is just full of, it, of things about the Holy Spirit that is so wonderful. Now, certainly we want to learn about our Heavenly Father. And, and I want to find who I am in Him. I want to find out how He sees me and how He views me. And then at the same time, I want to find out who I am in Christ. I want to find out what Jesus has done for me. What the death, burial, and resurrection has done in my life that can bring about glorious change. But in all of our getting, we need to get about the Holy Spirit too. Because the Holy Spirit is that power. In fact, that's why the Holy Spirit is given to us. One of the major, oh, there's multitudes of reasons the Holy Spirit's in our life. But one of the major is to give you a power to live a miraculous life for God. And, and we all need that, man. We need that. And so the Holy Spirit has been given to help me live not a normal life, but a supernatural life. Now, the reason that God wants each of us to live a supernatural life is so that the world can know that Jesus is real. I mean, if you're just an old blow and Joe the old blow and you just got living life like everybody else and on the assembly line where you work, you're just like everybody else, honey, that's not going to reveal to the world that Jesus is real. But your life moving into a new dimension 
and your life moving into new ways, it reveals to the world that Jesus is alive. Amen? So, so we're talking about the fear of the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord is, uh, uh, is, is almost something that's left out of the church today. Uh, and, and it should not be. Man, the fear of the Lord is so... There's more promises in Scripture, New Testament, Old Testament, and Heaven. <laughs> All three of them have these marvelous promises that are able to come into our life from, from the fear of the Lord. Me gaining greater dimensions of the fear of the Lord in my life. Now, I'm not talking about being afraid. I'm not talking about being afraid of what God's going to do to you and, and running in fear. I'm talking about that that pulls you to God. And it, sometimes it's better described as with the word reverence or the word honor, that we honor God. But it's also described as fear of God because, believe it or not, I know everybody's trying to make Jesus their best buddy, and I want Him my best buddy too. But there's things about God that I still have to revere. And there's only one. Amen. And, I, and so we have to honor God. Now, used to, in uh, believers, uh, in, uh, just a few years ago, they were called God-fearing people. God-fearing Christians. And what that meant was that that's classified them. Man, these people really believe in God because they're God-fearers. But in the process of words and process of usage, the fear part has almost dropped off. But the Bible over and over again, in fact, you won't believe this, 490 times in your Bible, it tells you to fear God. 400. Can you imagine any subject having that much information about? Wow. 490 times. Now, 365 to 367 is a little... Uh, still wavering a little bit. I was wavering early service about it too. 365 times in the Bible tells you to fear not. So you don't, God's telling you that natural fears are good, but demonic fears are bad. And so for 365, one for every day of the year, God tells you not to fear demonic fears. Now, we have to deal with those. Some of you are just, you have such fear over your children. Some of you have such fear over death. Some of you have so fear over life. Some of you have fear over finances or fears over circumstances. Fear I ever get married. Fear I, I'll marry the right one. Uh, fear I didn't marry the right one. Now I'm stuck with them. I mean, whatever, whatever it is, demonic fears. Now, what the enemy comes, comes, the enemy comes in childhood issues to place these demonic fears. And through a person's life, Demons work with it to try to strengthen those fears. They become totally unreasonable. I mean, and they can really control you. Because what you fear will control you. What you fear in life becomes the controlling factor of your life. So what we must do as believers, the Bible calls it freedom. <laughs> we must get free of demonic fear. And then we must gain the fear of God. Because if I fear nothing but God, guess who's in control of my life? God's in control of my life. So what we want to do is to gain that reverence and that honor and that respectful fear that God has for each of us. And so, like I said, 490 times in the Bible, it tells us to do that. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book. We're going to look at a number of scriptures very quickly here. 
because we're getting to a subject that just has a lot of information, but there's been a lot of information that hasn't been taught on, especially at this church, for a number of years. And so because of that, we've got to make up for some lost time. And we've got to really find a major subject of the Bible that God... The reason we're studying on the fears of the Lord, because the fear of God clears my life out, gets me ready for a greater impact of the Holy Spirit. In fact, we was heading headstrong, 100 feet ahead, headed toward teaching on the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, we, we, we got all of these powerful scriptures that said, God first wanted to do some things in my life. And God wants to bring some surrenders in my life. And God wants me to get some things out. He wants me to get some things in. God wants me to live right about some things. He wants me to get away from some things I've been living wrong. So God wants control in my life so He can place just a far greater dimension of the Holy Spirit in all of our life. Amen? All right, book of Isaiah, chapter 33, verse 6. It says, And wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times. And strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is His treasure. Wow. That's a powerful verse. You know, a powerful verse. Uh, the fear of the Lord is God's treasure chest. Wow. That means that all the wonderful things of heaven contained in that treasure chest. And, you know, and that's really what it is in all of our life, trying to get heaven down to earth. That's why in the Lord's Prayer we pray, Thy kingdom come, Thou will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because things are not automatically done on earth as it is in heaven. So they have to be ushered in, believed in, trusted in, thought in. And, uh, amen. So in the process that the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the treasure chest of God. Wow. Wow. Now I've watched Jack Sparrow's treasure chest a little bit. And uh, <laughs> I wasn't too carried away. But you can get carried away with God's great treasure chest. Amen? Pray. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, the, the Bible is just full of scriptures. And the reason I'm going through a little bit more scriptures possibly this morning is so that we can realize, man, the fear of the Lord, this is an important subject to God. It's important. Everybody say, Old Testament is important. New Testament is important. And in heaven it's important. And forever and ever, it's going to be important. So it's a really important subject. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. And we have a tendency in a New Testament believer not to think that God cares how we live. Now, we, we, we tend to gang this buddy-buddy thing with God and say, Oh, Joe, he, just put up, he puts up with me. Oh, Joe may put up with you, but God won't put up with some things going on in our life. And so we've got to understand, God still wants my life surrendered and committed. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. It says, I will live in them. Isn't that a powerful promise of the Lord? God said, I will live in them and I'll walk among them. I will be their God and they'll be my people. Therefore, because that, because God is wanting to live in us, therefore, come out from among unbelievers. And separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. There should be a difference between the way your neighbor lives than you live. It should be a difference. It should be a difference. Alright, he said, and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things. Wow, that's kind of putting it pretty bold. He said, don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. And I will be your father, and you'll be my son and a daughter, says Lord God Almighty. Now, the next chapter, which is just, it runs in. How many know that God didn't put the chapter in the verses that was man's 
work. And because of that, a lot of times that next chapter goes right. And this one is one of those that really does. The next verse says, because, because we're still doing the because, because God wants to be in me. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. And let us work toward complete wholeness because what? Because what? What's that next three words? Because what? Because we fear God, man. We fear God. The, the, basic, the, basic, the basic principle of the fear of God is, is to believe the principles of God. Now, certain things of God are going to cause blessings to come. Certain things, certain things, according to the scripture, are going to cause curses to come. And I'll, I'll tell you, I lived under a curse. Anybody ever been out there and lived under the curse? And Jaime, you know, that curse kind of ran us in under the Jesus. And in the process of it, we need the blessings of God so much. All right, said, and let us work together to complete. All right, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that defiles it. And let us work toward complete wholeness because we fear God. The next verse says, therefore, since we have these great and wonderful promises, it says, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that contaminates do you believe the New Testament is talking like that? that? That God still believes that there are things that contaminate my faith and contaminate my life and things could end up hurting me that I could be doing or saying, thinking. So the Lord says, there, therefore, since you have these great and precious promises, since God's given you such promise. Everybody say, you don't have to live that way. Would you say that out loud? You don't have to live. You don't have to live that way. God's got a promised life. God's got a much more wonderful life. God has a promised life that God is offering us. Amen? Beloved, let us, because God's given us so many great and precious promises, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that would contaminate body and spirit. Now, I know we don't think that God has any attention over the body. That's not what the Scripture says. You've got to understand, God does. God, and what the fear of God teaches me, that that word is true. The fear of God teaches me that these scriptures are true. And the fear of God teaches me that if I give place to the enemy, and I give the devil a place in my life, he'll take it. <laughs> And He's there to contaminate me. And He's there to try to keep me from receiving the promises that God has for me. But if I will realize that I no longer have to give place to the devil, there's the power of God that can work on my behalf. And if I will begin to trust God, that thing that's had me tackled most of my life, I will be able to tackle it and get rid of it in my life. God's power. So, so it's just us growing. All right. The characteristics, I'm going to talk to you this morning on the characteristics of one that fears God. Uh, how do you know a person that fears God? Now, we're talking about fear of God in a lot of ways. But I'm starting on a, a subject this morning concerning the fear of God. What are the characteristics of a person that fears God? What do they look like? What do they act like? You know? I mean, they always told me if it, if it looks like it, smells like it, it's probably it. You know? Let me tell you what India did one time. <clears throat> now, 
I wasn't going to say this, but I just thought of this. <laughs> India's always been such an animal lover. So when she was home and a young teenager, she decided that she was going to raise a pet skunk. Yeah. Yeah, she did. Yeah, and, and the, literally the skunk was only about this long, right? Only about that long. And uh, I warned her what could happen. <laughs> I mean, if it looks like it, if it smells like it, it's usually it. Yeah. So, so she would keep it in the bathroom in the house. And because it was, she was trying to nourish it, get it eaten, get things. And, and so we all thought, well, that small, don't, it don't smell like a skunk. It looks like a skunk. It don't smell like it. One night, about 2 o'clock in the morning, our house began to leak smoke out its windows. <laughs> because that little skunk had just found out it's a skunk. <laughs> we literally went in, got the skunk out. I literally shut the door to that bathroom and took duct tape. I shut off everything. And I left it that way for about two months. Man, that was such an odor. You know what? Because it looked like a skunk and now it was smelling like a skunk. And so you've got to know that about the life that you're living in fear of the Lord. I mean, it should look like you're fearing God. There, there should be reverence and honor and respect. There, there should be moving away from the things that offend God and, and moving toward the things that please God. In fact, the Bible said that's one requirement that getting answers to our prayers. Not only do I, 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 do I have opportunity to operate faith, but I do those things that please Him, the Bible says. So, so, I, so as God is working in my life, I've got to take responsibility for me. I mean, if things, um, people come to pastors all the time and they say, Oh, pastor, this is so bad. I want to say, if it looks like a skunk and smells like a skunk, it's probably a skunk. Do you understand? There's, the Bible warns us throughout the New Testament about certain actions, certain thought patterns, certain ways of living and certain speech that will put us out from under the blessing of God. And if I choose to ignore those things, <laughs> I look like a skunk, I smell like a skunk, I'm going to be a skunk. Amen? So, all right, so let's talk about the fear of God. The fear of God means to trust Him. Uh, there's there's uh, several areas that I want to talk about in the characteristics of the Lord, of, of the person that fears God. Uh, the first characteristic I just want to mention, I'm not going to preach on it today, is uh, there, there's a, a supernatural desire in my life to live for God. Uh, that happens when a person fears God. And that happens supernaturally. The Bible says that Jesus was anointed with the spirit of the fear of God. That there's a spirit of God that, that helps you. Work out your salvation with what? Yeah, with fear and trouble. There is a Spirit of God. This part of the Spirit of God is helping you. Jesus used that part. The Bible said He was anointed with the Spirit of the fear of God. And so, it's working in your life. 
And that's what I hope is having me preach here today and have me talk about the importance of fearing God. It's because it's the Spirit of God that's trying to work in me and trying to work in you to try to draw us toward God and try to get us away from those things that are displeasing to the Lord. Amen? So, uh, it, it's just real important. Now, in the book of Acts, it's such a powerful book, but it just it tells us in the New Testament life what the fear of God can do. Acts chapter 2, verse 43, it said, And a sense of all reverential fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were performed through them. Notice what it says. Fear of God, wonders and signs. Are you wondering why your prayers are not answered? Are you wondering why things are not working out? Uh, This could be part of the mixture that takes place in life. It it says uh, the fear of God, as a New Testament believer in the book of Acts, that fear of God working in our lives to produce a lifestyle that is supernatural. Now, in Acts chapter 9, it says this way. After this, the church all over Judea, Galilee, and Samaria experienced a season of peace. The, the congregations grew larger and larger with the believers being empowered and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. They worshiped God in wonder and awe and walked in the fear of the Lord. How do New Testament believers walk? They walked in what? They walked in the fear of the Lord. They walked in recognition of what is pleasing to God or what is displeasing to God. They walk in a holy reverence. Now, you don't have to go to uh, uh, a, a, a school of some kind to understand what the reverential fear is. If you're a dad, if you had a dad, which I hope most of you had a dad at some point in your life, that, that it's easy to understand that. Uh, as, as a father, then we, there's a desire that God builds in a child's heart to please that dad. And it's not because it should not be. Now, there's, there's people that's been raised by dads that are mean and abusive. But I pray that yours wasn't. And I pray that your view of a dad is a loving, caring dad. But it builds a, a fear in your heart of disappointment that you don't want to disappoint dad. You don't want to disappoint. I tell you, when, when I was raising teenagers especially, one of the, one of the biggest things that, that was tried to walk through was when teenagers, that they didn't want to disappoint you. And they didn't want to disappoint your view of them or your plans for them. And so I pray that that's in your believer's life. Man, that you're looking up towards your Heavenly Father and you don't want to disappoint Him. You want to make sure that the purpose of God that you was placed on earth to do, that that purpose lives. All right. Uh, Let's turn to Psalms chapter 34, verse 11, please. There's 490 verses, like I said, it has to do with the fear of the Lord. But we're just looking through some. We're getting an idea of the characteristics of a person that fears God. All right. Psalms chapter 34, verse 11 says, Come, ye children, hearken unto me. And I will teach you. Did you know we have to learn to fear God? That's what it says. We have to learn. It's the process of learning. It's a process of growing. Just like a child comes into this world, they have to learn how to please their dad. They have to learn how to please their mom. Same way with, we have to learn. We have to grow in the fear of God. 
We have to gain more of the fear of the Lord, and we have to learn how to please the Lord. Now, Deuteronomy is such a wonderful verse, because the fear of God is something that just is, goes as a thread throughout the whole word. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 10, it gives us a description of a person that fears God. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, what does it say? And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to number one, to fear the Lord your God. That's the first thing God says, I'm asking out of you, is to, is to fear God. The second thing is to walk in obedience to Him. That's what God's asking. The third thing is to love Him. Now, usually we only count the love. So I love God. It doesn't matter what I do. No, you love God. If you love God, you care about what you do. And you care about what you say. And you care about who you're hurting. And you're caring about the, 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 uh, the life that you're living in front of other people. Amen. All right, to love Him. Number four, to serve the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul. Notice, it's very uniquely listed there exactly what God is expecting out of our life. God's expecting, number one, that I would learn to fear the Lord my God. The second thing, that I would learn to walk in obedience. And number three, that I would learn to love Him. And number four, that I would serve Him. And verse 20 says, fear the Lord your God and serve Him. Because love comes out of my fear of God. And also serving comes out of my fear of God. There are some people serve to serve. They just like serving. But the greatest service you can give to God will come out of the fear of God. Because this pleases God and you want your life pleasing to the Lord. Amen. Number 21. He is the one you praise. He is your God who performed for you all those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. Amen. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, notice what it said. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness. God said, one reason that we should all want to fear the Lord is because God has done so many things for us. How many of you here today, God's done some glorious things for you, and you don't want to miss, you want to stand to your feet and give Him a hand clap right now for the things that the Lord has done for you. Yes. Yes, we want to thank God. We appreciate... Come on, somebody shout it. We appreciate the Lord. We honor you, God. Thank you. Now, you that the Lord has seen you through some real hard times, go ahead and give them extra praise. God has seen you through some real hard times. What God says right there, that becomes the motivation for the fear of God in our life. It's because God has... Just done so many wonderful, powerful things for us. Praise God. Amen. Now know this. A lot of times things are taking place in our life. And in the process of what God is doing, God is testing us. So let me close with this issue. There are several things we could talk about as far as the characteristics of the Lord. The first one we could talk about is the supernatural desire that God puts in us. If you, if you don't have a supernatural desire to live for God and please God, let me just tell you something's wrong. There's either a bondage, a childhood issue, or possibly you haven't got saved. If, there is, if there's not a supernatural desire in you to live for God, something's wrong. The second thing, the second characteristic of a person that fears God is humility. 
I mean, I know you're the smartest in the world. But if you fear God, you know He's the one that makes it work. And when you're busy telling everybody what you're going to do, the person that fears God said, if that's what God wants me to do, that's what I'll do. There comes a surrender and a submission. So I'm going to tell you, there should be a supernatural humility in every person's life that has the fear of God working in them. The supernatural ability. The third one is what I'm closing with, though. The third one, and probably one of the largest characteristics, there's at least seven major characteristics of a person that fears God. The third one is obedience. Obey God. A person that fears God obeys God. The fear of the Lord is obedience. Obedience is the fear of God. The fear of God is obeying God. And that's why somebody said, well, that's new to the New Testament. It is. I didn't know that. Because Jesus said, if you love me, what was the sign of love? Somebody finished finish the scripture for me. If you love me, then do those things that I command you. They, see, it's all worked hand in hand. What the Lord is telling you, if you love me, obey me. Fear of God, obedience. Obeying God is the fear of God. Now I want to ask you a question. How many of you, God has told you to do some things or told you to do something and you haven't done it? How many? Put your hand down. I'm not letting for a show. Thank you. Thank you for being honest with me, okay? But how many of you just question your heart? Has God told me to do something and I haven't done it? Do you realize that equals I don't fear God? Let me tell you something, ask you something else. How many of you, God has told you to do something and you just haven't been able to do it yet? Did you know late obedience is disobedience to God? Yes. I told you earlier that fears control our life. I'm going to surrender to what I fear. If I fear people, I don't fear God. And it's not going to let me do what God's told me to do. If I fear my lack of talents to be exposed, if I have inward fear about me, I know, Pastor, God's told me to do this, but I can't do it. You don't understand. I can't do it. You don't understand. I can't do it. And you fear yourself. You don't fear God. Fearing God is instant obedience. And every time God speaks to us, it's a test. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, it says, And God gave Abraham a test. Now, it's not a test of fail because God tempts no man with failure. But it's an opportunity for promotion. Every time God asks you to do anything is an opportunity for your life to move up. And if you fear, if you've got childhood fears that control you, 
And if you've got deep demonic fears that control you, and even if you allow natural fears to control you, you don't fear God. Because what you fear controls you. Down through the years, I've had so many people tell me, well, Pastor, I I feel like God's called me to do this. But I can't do it. You understand, I can't do it. God's asked me, you know, isn't that something? Out of all the things that happen in the world, you're finally the thing that God missed it on. But He didn't miss it. Because God knew what He was going to take in your life for your life to be fulfilled. See, because the first thing that obedience does in my life, it creates a greater trust. I've got to trust Him. In Genesis chapter 22, the hardest issue of the whole Bible, God speaks to Abraham. He precedes that by saying, this is a test. This is a test, only a test, you know. This is a test. And then He said, Abraham... I want you to offer your son to me. I want you to offer your son to me. Abraham was obedient. Instantly obeyed God. And instantly he carried that child up to that mountain. And Abraham draws the knife. And then God spoke the rest of the direction. Do the child no harm. It's my will, Abraham, that you do the child no harm. And this this is what God said. For now I know that you fear me. For now I know that you fear me. So God comes at times even to ask us things that doesn't make any sense. In fact, most of the time when God's asking you to do something, it doesn't make any sense because it's going to take, number one, it's going to take trust to do it. You said, I was to speak in public. God, you've got the wrong person here. And God said, oh, I'm sorry, I finally missed it with one. You don't understand. Everybody would laugh at me. It's going to take trusting. It's going to take trusting God. It's going to take taking the strength of your life and and leaning it upon God to whatever it is that God's telling you to do. The second thing that it takes is going to take grace. But the wonderful thing about it, anytime God tells you to do anything, He makes His grace available. Now, grace is not just hiding the way God looks at something. Grace, the Bible says, is God's strength. It's God's power poured into a weakness that causes, the Bible says, that weakness to become strong. So, when God tells you to do something, it's an opportunity to really be a different person. That childhood fear that had you chained... That demon spirit that's locked you into trying to tell you what kind of life that you could live and what he was going. The, the devil puts all of us on this short leash 
and he tries to jerk us back because he doesn't want us to be able to do what God put us on earth to do. But in Jesus' name, God gives me grace when he calls me or when he tells me or he speaks to my heart. Let me grab one that's really close to home. Some people, God's told you to become a tither. And your fears over being poor are your fears over God not being big enough to take care of you has stopped you. Stopped you. Or maybe it's the fear over being a dad or being a mom or making it in business or to be able to handle things financially or or being able to walk out of these health issues whatever it is that fear tries to control the destiny of God in your life and for you to get the fear of God you're going to have to be able to fear God more then you're fearing what's trying to keep you from it. But if you will do it, if you will fear God more, you will find the greatest release. And finally, after all your struggle through life, you will finally unfold and your wings will come out and you will finally get to be the person that God created you to be. Yeah. Uninhibited. Unchained. So what God's using the fear of God to bring freedom in life. So I just ask you, God's told you to do something. God's spoken to your heart. And you haven't been able to. Now let me give you a, a paradox. Abraham, the Bible said, please God. In fact, he became the friend of God. Now, the way Abraham did it, the New Testament is so wonderful because it even tells us the thoughts that Abraham thought to be able to do it. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 11, Romans chapter 4, it tells you the thoughts that Abraham put in his mind that gave him the freedom to be able to obey God. Wonderful. But there's another person I need to mention. His name was King Saul. God spoke to King Saul and told him what to do to please God. Saul said these words. He said, I fear the people. And then Saul spent the rest of his short life trying to give God excuses why he couldn't and became a failure in his life. Became a failure in what God had called him to do. So we've got a choice today. God spoke into our heart We can spend the rest of our life thinking that our good buddy, 
is going to accept our excuses. Or we can just start, we can just stop, brother, and say, God, I'm sorry. I didn't do it. I didn't answer the call. I didn't give you an immediate answer to my life. You spoke to my heart about what to do, and and I did not immediately obey you. I, I couldn't, God. But I ask your forgiveness, and I ask you for another chance. There's something about asking God for another chance. Amen. There's some, the Bible is like seventy times seven. <laughs> I mean, there's something about asking God for another chance. Now, that's some of you here today. God's told you to do it, and you haven't obeyed Him. And today, instead of giving God an excuse, you will stand with me in this congregation, and you will be willing to say, "I'm sorry, God. I did not obey you." But I ask forgiveness and I ask for another chance. Are you here today? Would you just stand up? If that's you, that's you. You go ahead and stand. And we're going to pray together. We're going to close the service by by asking the Lord that, God, that you would forgive me. Father, I I know you spoke to my heart and I wrestled with it, but I, I let it wrestle completely out of my life, Lord. I need your forgiveness, Lord then I need another chance. Oh, speak to me, oh God. Speak to me again, God. Speak to me again, God. Give me another chance to become the God-fearing person that you've called me to do. Would you pray with me right now? Would you say, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask your forgiveness. Lord, I am sorry. Lord, you spoke to my heart. And instead of treasuring it, I allowed the enemy to build a case of why I could not obey you. But in the name of Jesus, I ask your forgiveness. And right now, Lord, I receive the forgiveness of your blood as it drenches over my life, as it forgives me of my failure, Lord. As it redeems those things that I failed to do. But in the name of Jesus, Lord, I trust you. Give me another chance, God. Lord, give me another chance. Just speak to my heart again, Lord. And I'll receive your grace. And I'll receive your strength to obey you, God. To walk obedient to you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Let's all stand together. Close this, Stephen. Would you praise the Lord? Yes, sir. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. It's your breath in our so we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise, it's your will, in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only, Lord. Great are you, Lord. 
Come and lift your voice. You are great. 